This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Robots Radio presents Myth. The podcast where we explore the very soul of the human story. It was a time of celebration. It was time to celebrate your buddy, Eric. He did it. He proved to the local courts that he was the last surviving heir of his crazy uncle. And he inherited a property out on the edge of town that would make anybody jealous. Everybody met up at the pub. You, all your buddies, Eric, you shared some beers, told some stories. It was, it was amazing. After a few rounds and some celebrations and some dancing and <laughs> girls, the <laughs> girls showed up too. Well, you got to talking and Eric told you more about his crazy uncle. You see, he was ostracized, I guess. It was some, some story about <sighs> some of the weird things that he believed just didn't fit in with the rest of the family. And... His parents, his mom, they'd passed away a while ago, but they just weren't on speaking terms anymore. And you never really got the full story from him, but it seemed like Eric's uncle believed in some crazy stuff, some abnormal things. There were rumors that he had acquired his wealth through inappropriate means. I mean, there were some rumors that he had acquired his wealth through some deals with well, the, the fairies. <laughs> I mean, who believes in the fairies anymore? But whatever, it was done now. It was done now. Eric was going to live in the property. Eric was the heir to that, to that land. Lots, lots and lots of farmland. Eric wasn't going to have to work another day in his life. He was set. He had people to till the fields for him, to sell the goods, and we could just hang out at his place and you know, kind of enjoy, enjoy some time off together for a little bit. It was going to be awesome. You were really happy for Eric. Really, really happy. The next day, he invited everybody to come down to his new property to check out the land, check out the mansion I, that was the only way you could describe it this house was huge it was huge and old you're able to take a tour of the lands he had he had a sculpture in the backyard the size of a, a person standing up on top of a fountain who has that i mean seriously who has that your little shack of a place didn't compare to this extravagant wealth that he just came across while you were out in the garden there's a garden in the back you saw animals animals running around butterflies rabbits kind of scurrying back into the the weeds on the edge of the property there was even even a deer it was like a doe 
just stood there and watched you for a minute. It's almost human-like eyes. It was strange. You looked again and, and it was gone. But the rest of the day was great. You got to check out all the farmland. Met the servants who tended to the gardens and tended to the lands and, and even the people who worked inside the mansion. Got to see his new accommodations inside. His master bedroom. It was kind of amazing. There was a bunch of old weird furniture in there that Eric said he was going to do something with at some point. It was really cool though. Then about a week later, you guys met up at the pub again. Kind of a check-in, see how a group of friends were doing. You had been working through your studies. You were fortunate enough to have a family that could help support your education, go to university. One of the first in your family, that was kind of a big deal. Eric didn't have to worry about that. That wasn't going to be a thing he needed to worry about. Uh, but, you know... It seemed that being a landowner wasn't all it was uh, cracked up to be. He, he mentioned that uh, managing the farmland wasn't as easy as he had thought. I thought things would be fine. We've been getting plenty of rain, lots of sunshine. I mean, it's, it's summer, but one of the fields just isn't bearing fruit. I'm not a farmer. That's <laughs> I come from a family of tradespeople and... And, you know, I'm hoping to write for a living, but I don't know. I don't know how to help him with that. I asked if he'd asked around with some of the, the neighbors and things, and he said he said he's doing what he can. He, he didn't think it was going to be a big deal if, you know, if one of the fields didn't bring any crop this year, it wasn't going to be a problem. He would just replant next year or, you know, I guess there's some stuff they can do to the soil to make it grow better again later i i don't know but he didn't seem too worried about it he did mention though that uh when this is weird that he's been having some strange dreams i don't know maybe he's just a little bit stressed with the new lifestyle the new responsibilities yeah i, I wouldn't wouldn't blame him for feeling that way the rest of the night was great though we shared some drinks talked about the old times danced to some of the songs met some girls you know the usual. Then we went home. For you, it was time to go back to your studies. For Eric, it was time to figure out how to be a farmer, I guess. He decided you'd talk again in a week. Same night, same place. Probably the same beers. The next week, Eric didn't show up. It was a little bit strange. The rest of the, the rest of the guys did. Nobody had heard from him, but I mean, it, it wasn't uncommon for one of the members of your, your little group to just to miss a week. You know, sometimes things get busy and I, last thing you heard, he was, he was pretty busy on the, uh, the land dealing with some farming stuff. So you and the other guys talked and decided, you know what? You'd pop in the next day, next evening, you'd go by after work and study check in on him, see how he's doing. So that next night, you got together, traveled down to his place. You got off of your horses in the front of the property and 
And it looked fine. I mean, it looked like it did the last time you were there. The main difference being that there were some other horses already hitched to the posts at the front of the house. Maybe he had guests. Well, you decided that since he made the trip anyway, you might as well knock on the door and let the guy know you were thinking about him. So you, you and the guys walk up and knock on the front door. It takes a moment. It's a big house. And eventually, Eric came to the door himself. The door swung open and a, uh, a smile showed up on his face. He, he looked relieved to see you, offered for you to come in. And that's when you noticed the priest in the middle of the room with the cross out, chanting something in Latin. And you'd done enough of your studies to recognize some of the words that he was using. It was strange. Something about spirits and sanctuary, Jesus, lots of religious talk. It seemed to be some sort of warding or maybe an, an exorcism. That was strange. Eric explained that uh, he continued to have these strange dreams and now a second crop was no longer growing. And he was beginning to suspect something, something more was going on. Even the guys kind of looked uneasy at each other and, and the, the feeling of the room changed in your mind. It was getting dark out. The shadows were longer than the last time you were here in the middle of the day. The stones that the building was made out of looked older, darker. The property seemed to be surrounded in strange shadows. You stayed with Eric that night, told him that you weren't going to leave him alone. Some of the other guys had to go, but a few of you stayed. And you went around the property with the priest as he chanted and, and did his ceremony. And eventually he left as well. And you could have sworn when you were out in the garden again, you saw those strange doe eyes, the ones that you saw that other day from a little deer, but the strange eyes, almost like a person. He pointed it out to Eric and he didn't see it. He went back in, he shared a late dinner, and he retired to individual rooms, <laughs> a property like that, with individual rooms for guests. Seems a little bit silly. Kind of cool at the same time. In the morning, you got up, decided that you would stay till about lunch, and then and then you had to go finish up your studies for the day. Eric looked tired. He hadn't slept well at all. Maybe the weight of all this was was getting to him. That's when he decided that he wanted to share something else with you. He brought down from the master bedroom a wooden case with some papers and notebooks and things. He said that these were his uncles, that he'd started looking through the old items 
in the house in order to determine what to keep and what to get rid of. And he found some documents, ownership titles, deeds, and then some diaries. Strange. His uncle's side of the story was a little bit different than what Eric had learned from his parents, or at least the people that he knew while growing up. But most mysterious of all were some some things that were written over the last few years. It seems that Eric's uncle was having strange dreams as well. And they got worse with time. He lived alone on the property. Sure, there were there were servants, there were gardeners and people farming the land, but at, at night, he, he lived alone. He was a recluse, kind of like Eric's been doing. You grabbed one of the notebooks and opened it up and spent a few minutes thumbing through the pages. And then you noticed some crude drawings and some notes about journeys that he had taken into the the edges of the forest nearby. And sure enough, a deer. And when you matched the date of those diary entries with the dates associated with the changing of the number of crops, he kept inventory of the crops, but it looked like he was taking a percentage of them and, and not selling them anymore. It's as if they just weren't there in the inventory. Strange. You pointed it out to Eric. And Eric wondered about that too. He double-checked all the numbers, and sure enough, about, about 12-15% of the crops just disappeared at some point. The land hadn't changed, but some percentage of crops were no longer being sold. So you had an idea. You took Eric outside. And you found one of the farmhands. And sure enough, when you asked him, he said, he said, yes. You, a few years back, they stopped selling a mix of the different crops. In fact, they kept them in a storehouse on the edge of the property. But since Eric's uncle passed away and then Eric began managing the land, it wasn't something they were instructed to do anymore. So... You told Eric, hold on, let's, let's just try something out. And you told the farmhand, go ahead and take a mix of each of the crops today and put them in the, the shack out by the edge of the forest and see what happens. That next meeting, that next week, Eric showed back up. And it was like old times again. He didn't complain about any more dreams you didn't bring it up it seemed like a, a silly thing to bring up you shared your drinks you danced with the girls in the pub then you went home since the dawn of time there have been storytellers who teach through their stories these myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. 
video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86, host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together. So I had to do it. I, I couldn't make all the stories be sad or super strange. This one has kind of a happier ending, but it is a little bit unresolved. Eric's uncle was clearly doing something that created some sort of transaction with the world of the fairy. And I've always been interested in this concept of the Fae, the world of the fairy. It's something that comes to us from European folklore. This world where things are different than they are here. A magical place of creatures that are different. And there are lots of different representations throughout history of fairy, of fairies, the way that people used these words and what they were actually trying to describe. In the story that I relayed to you, the fairy here took the form of a deer. And this is something that Europeans would often use in storytelling. This idea that a magical creature could take the form of something familiar and something tied to nature in order to connect with humans. This is the same idea that gets used for witches, for example. This idea that a witch could turn herself or himself into a cat or a rat or something else. This idea that the fairy are magical creatures tied to nature is a very old concept and it shows up again and again and again throughout European history. Sometimes these concepts are mixed with Christianity and there's a little bit of that in this story as well, but I don't get too far into that side of things. Some Christian stories don't stand up against this idea of some sort of otherworldly things. They embrace it. They work it into the descriptions of their world. For example, some believed at one point in history that fairies did exist, that the fairy world existed, but it was a place that was different than heaven or hell. You see, the angels that were originally rebellious in heaven were sent to hell and they ruled in hell. The angels that were loyal to God stayed in heaven, but there was a third group that just weren't holy enough to stay in heaven, but they weren't sent to hell either. So they were sent into this world 
and existed in and around humans, in nature. Many other stories explained that the fae, the fairies, were creatures that were tied to nature that actually took part in the growth of nature. This idea of the fairy in the story being connected to the fields. That it was the fairies themselves, even by the 1800s, even by the scientific concepts of evolution, some still believed that it was the fairies themselves who managed the interactions between the energy from the sun and the plant life and the evolution of species on Earth. Descriptions have ranged from man-sized creatures to goblins and hobgoblins even. Hobgoblins at one point were considered household fairies and they may have been mischievous but they weren't evil. But eventually that term evolved and eventually more and more the fairy was associated with evil creatures, creatures other than what we're supposed to be here. But it depends. All of these stories have different lineages, different variations. And in different places, the word came to mean different things. Fairy tales. Fairy tales were stories you would tell your children about this world of the fairy. In a time before Chaucer, during the Middle Ages, the world of the fairy was very real. A knight who would adventure into the world would often come across individuals who were of the fairy. They were of the fae. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, the idea that the Green Knight is enchanted somehow, that there's a magical interaction happening there, means that that Green Knight is of something different than the rest of us or made a deal with a devil. The idea that knights who were sworn to chastity would be tested by women they would come across on their adventures. Those women would have those powers because they themselves were fairies. Variations of this happen all throughout Europe. One of the most common themes about the fairies are that they are manipulative of humans, that they are confusing them. For example, fairies would confuse travelers on their paths or at their worst, leading them to some sort of death or destruction. On the lighter side of this, fairies were known for less harmful pranks, things like tangling hair or stealing small items. But in either case, they were mysterious and potentially dangerous. And that means that it wasn't uncommon for people, historically, to give themselves ways of combating these fairies. They would give themselves ways to protect themselves. So, for example, iron talismans and charms, pieces of wood from specific trees like the rowan tree or herbs, or just simply avoiding locations that were known to be theirs, not traveling into specific places. And another method was to make sure that they didn't 
offend them or to give them an offering. In Celtic folklore, it was common to bring bread in a pocket when you went out, just in case you needed to leave something for the fairies to eat. It wasn't uncommon not only to wear protective charms and and have different kinds of herbs on you, things like four-leaf clovers, St. John's wort, but also to do things like wear your clothes inside out. Somehow, that was pleasing to the fairies, or at least kept them from messing with you. In some cases, you would even leave clothing for the fairies, but you didn't want to leave clothing of poor quality because that would offend them. And because of all of this, many, many things were attributed to the fairies. The fairies were, in a way, a clearinghouse of all the things that we as humans didn't understand. If the crops didn't grow, maybe the fairies were upset. If a family member was sick, maybe you had offended a fairy, a nature spirit. In a world where we don't have the tools to gather evidence or to understand things like microbes, things that we can't see, it's so much easier to pin explanations on malevolent spirits. And what's so interesting about this to me is that we still do this. We may not call them fairies, but we still justify the unknown, the unexplained, or at least the things that we as individuals don't understand. So it isn't that crazy that humans, or at least Europeans in this context, believed in fairies, nature spirits, fallen angels, these kinds of concepts. Even, even the spirits of the dead who were not at rest were sometimes described as becoming fairies. It seems a little silly to our minds now, but the way the human mind works, our beliefs color our perspectives. The things that we believe become the foundations for our explanations of the world. And this is a very difficult thing for us to change. When you grow up in a society that teaches you this is the way things are, then those become the tools, the mechanisms of your mind that you use to describe the world around you. So when you grow up in a world where the fairies are responsible for the growth of your crops, then as far as you are concerned, that is your reality. And for you, maybe the fairies do exist. So thank you all for tuning in. This is your host, Tom, and I will talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening to Myth. If you'd like to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you at myththepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at podcastmyth. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you'd like to help us out financially and experience an ad-free version of the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.
listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. I'm Bob. And I'm Brad. We're lifelong friends. And the hosts of the Film and Whiskey podcast. This is the show where each week we review a classic movie and a glass of whiskey. That's right. Every week we go in-depth on a well-known movie while sampling the best from the world of scotch, bourbon, and more. Because nothing goes better with strong opinion than equally strong liquor. Bob's a movie nerd. Brad's an average Joe. But together, we give fresh insights and hot takes on the world of movies and spirits. So check out the Film and Whiskey Podcast. Part of the Robots Radio Network.